0: Thank you, it's so good to be back. They told me I only had 25 minutes. It takes 20 minutes for me to clear my throat. (laughs) But I think we better get with it. Last year, I reported to you directly from inside the complicated case Timothy Pickford versus Daniel Glickman, the litigation invariably described in the media as a black farmer's case. It is, as Ken said, the largest civil rights settlement in the history of the country. It is also the largest class action settlement in the history of this country. To date, the government has paid out more than $2.5 billion in claims to literally thousands of poor African-American farmers nationwide. The government has paid another billion dollars in fees to a cadre of mediators and arbitrators for evaluating more than 20,000 claims filed by African-American farmers. The government also pays more than $1 million every 30 days to a private corporation for processing claims from these farmers and drafting thousands of checks. Courtroom activity in the case should cease next year, but a full-time court-appointed monitor and her staff will work full-time on behalf of poor farmers some full five years after we shut this historic litigation down. Thousands of acres of black farmland have been recaptured from bankruptcy. Government foreclosures against poor black farmers were stopped virtually everywhere. Thousands of destitute black farm families have a new lease on life and a newfound (laughs) self-respect. Bioneers, I think it is fair to say that poor African-American farmers have struck a real blow for liberty, (laughs) and our nation is better off because of it. As I speak to you, three huge spin-offs from the Black Farmers case is in operation. One case on behalf of Hispanic American farmers, another on behalf of Native Americans, and still another on behalf of women. The Hispanic case is larger than the Black Farmers case and could involve as much as $8 billion in claims. As to Native Americans, the press will report any day now that the Federal District Court at Washington, DC, has certified a huge national class of thousands of poor Native American farmers making them eligible to recover money damages and important injunctive relief from the United States Department of Agriculture. And this is so regardless of whether these poor souls live on or off the reservation. That certification is probably the beginning of the end for a huge bureaucracy hid but active deep down in the dark recesses of the Department of Interior and patronizingly named the Bureau of Indian Affairs. The mere thought that Native Americans ever needed, faceless bureaucrats in Washington, to look after their affairs is demeaning and racist. Now I want to return quickly to the problems we now face in the two cases involving Native Americans and women and Hispanics. Some problems we face are old and familiar, but others are new now. In the past, we successfully dealt with these similar old problems, such as representing women and minority people of color, for an example, it is always a constant problem, problem because we have these macho John Wayne type jingoistic policymakers <laughs> that exist in every national administration. Republican or Democrat, they're always there. <laughs> but it's also true that a change in national administrations has made a bad situation worse for us. However, political change goes with the territory and is usually manageable regardless of how frustrating it sometimes get. But what is daunting today is that on September 11th, a cataclysmic change occurred in the United States of America. And no one at this point can know the nature of or the extent of that change. New and dangerous developments evolve almost daily. We don't know yet. Indeed, we can't know where we are headed. We just know intuitively that things will never again be the same. The only certainty today is uncertainty. In addition to new adversaries in Washington, we have a new and different situation. A new national mindset that is so angry, so fearful, that Justice and liberty could unintentionally be stifled everywhere, not just in these class action cases. Bioneers and progressive people must be more alert than ever before. We must fight even harder for what we know is right. But take heart, dear children, some of us have already faced a dangerous and uncertain sort of terrorism. We are even familiar with a patriotism that easily turned into almost a mindless cult and would engulf democracy itself and leave us spying on each other for the government. Some of us have been there before. I spent the first 35 years of my life in rigidly racist, segregated Alabama, trying to survive in a vile, bloody system maintained by law and through awesome terror, systematically visited on innocent Americans by other Americans. Some of the awful things I was forced to witness as a child in Alabama yet bring tears to my eyes, though what little hair I have left has long turned gray. Almost 40 years ago, On March 7, 1965, Bloody Sunday, in the middle of the day, I stood at the foot of the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Little Selma, Alabama, and watched in horror as state troopers and special deputy sheriffs mounted on horseback needlessly beat unarmed black women and children into bloody submission and did it with unabashed gusto while an unbelieving America watched helplessly on television. But a cataclysmic change occurred that day in America. Standing, standing at the crest of that bridge, surveying all the blood and havoc my face awash in tears, I knew something profound had occurred in America, but I couldn't know what. I knew something different would follow, but I had no way to understand what, when, or how. I did, by and is, however, have the presence of mind to realize that progressive Americans had to get busy and help shape them. Whatever was to come, shape it for the better. I have that feeling now. And I speak not merely about class actions. As we all know now, Because of the bloody beatings at the bridge, America began to slowly evolve toward a real colorblind democracy, one step at the time. We sometimes take one step backwards, or one step forward and two steps backward, but the evolution continues to this day and primarily because of dedicated progressive people like you. Think about it. The black farmer litigation and other freedom movements were actually born in the bloody carnage on that bridge that day in Selma, Alabama. As we convene here in October 2001, Our first line adversaries are no longer the administration of William Jefferson Clinton and the Janet Reno Department of Justice. And as I said, they were difficult enough. (laughs) Under their nominal leadership, the FBI spent more time and tax money investigating me and several poor activist black farmers than they did in investigating Timothy McVeigh, at least prior to the bombings in Oklahoma City. It was not easy under Mr. Clinton. Now we face President George W. Bush and the John Ashcroft Department of Justice. Hear me, hear me. These people will hide their hostility and even their lawlessness against progressive Americans behind the war against terrorism and a mostly phony war against drugs. They have already asked a frightened and spineless Congress for carte for blanche authority to arrest and detain people for being suspicious. Hell, women and people of color have always been suspicious in Washington. <laughs> Ashcroft admitted that having these Fascist powers would not have prevented the horrific uh, tragedy on September 11th and is unlikely to prevent a future outrage. Yet he asks for these powers and this Congress, believe me, will give it to him. I am not bothered by his other request for roving wiretaps because the government has been doing that illegally for years anyway. They just now see this time as an advantageous time to make these illegal taps legal. And racial profiling is a fact of life and is at its disreputable peak. If you think not, get a suntan. wrap a towel around your head, (laughs) put on a robe, stand on Pennsylvania Avenue and gaze through the iron fence at the White House. You will be arrested in seconds. Whenever law enforcement at any level focuses not on individuals, but on a racial, religious, or ethnic group, it is no longer dealing in evidence or facts, but in stereotypes and group prejudice. And that is an anti-democratic abomination. Now, I raise these concerns to you because fighting on behalf of women, on behalf of minority people of color, fighting on behalf of the environment and the planet are all one big battle. It is all about a struggle for the soul of America. And that struggle has escalated and intensified since September 11th. Now, it is important that I don't be misunderstood. No one is more incensed than I am over the unforgivable, hateful, mindless slaughter of thousands of innocent people on September the 11th and I am hardly a pacifist or a fool. Well, my dear wife thinks I might be the latter. <laughs> but, but, but seriously, seriously, I am the grandson, the great-grandson of slaves, and served as a soldier during the Korean War, and was fully prepared to die if necessary, in defense of a democracy denied me. Moreover, I didn't even accept Washington's rationale for the war. How does one stop the spread of an idea, communism with an army? Indeed, the North Koreans had every right to be communist, Catholic, Baptist, capitalist, or whatever else they chose in their own land. Yet if my country yet if my country went to Korea to fight, I would fight for my country and even to the death if need be. The unshakable loyalty that millions of we progressive Americans have for this country does not mean, however, we will be stampeded, into making some false choice between national security and civil liberties. It is all the same struggle. And there is all kinds of terror in this dangerous world. And we must be absolutely opposed to it all, foreign and domestic. We, we progressive people recoil from the terror visited on low-income people in black communities from Sumter County, Alabama to Cancer Alley in Louisiana. Yeah. These, people, these people are accosted and virtually forced by corporate giants to house toxic waste. We also see this huge swath through a largely brown-skinned world reaching from the Middle East to East Asia where the United States maintains a hostile military presence for the protection of cheap oil. And it does so with almost indifference to many inhumane things that occur from that presence. And not too far from there, we see the Angolan people who can no longer farm in their fields, littered as they are with US-made landmines left over from the Vietnam War, and which has resulted in Angola leading the world in amputee rates per capita. 4,000 Filipino rice farmers recently died from the use of pesticides, or they committed suicide as a result of U.S. agribusiness experimentation in Filipino rice production. The list goes on and gets worse. But I stop here with the observation that waging war is not the same as waging peace. Vioneers know that violence, greed, racism, Unchecked materialism and abuse of God's planet and the nature in and on it is its own terrorism and will eventually destroy us if we don't first put an end to it. How do we Bioneers know all this? Because we know that truth crushed to earth will rise again. How do we Bioneers know all this? Because we know that no lie can live forever. How do we Bioneers know all of this? Because we have seen babies die and children starve in a world of plenty. We have witnessed the pollution of oceans, rivers and streams, the air we breathe and now they would pollute our very souls. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. God bless you.